You are joining Making a Difference with Melissa Clark, a new show that shares the compelling stories and voices of well-known and everyday people who change the world in big and small ways. Enjoy our guests. Call in or just listen to be inspired. For this show was made with you in mind. Please join us every Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with our special guests. And you can listen to our recast at www.melissaclarkshow.com. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us on Making a Difference. I'm Melissa Clark. I hope everybody had a fantastic week. Uh, it's a beautiful day here in New York City. Um, I'm so excited for this show. I'm so excited for my guest. Uh, she is a super lawyer. She's actually a super woman to me, I'm sorry, but um, I'm not gonna be biased because she's my friend, but I'm just so excited that she's here today uh, discussing live wet markets. Um, she is uh, also the co-founder of BeVeg, a certified firm. She's a lawyer. Um, she's been on TV everywhere. Carissa Krantz, how are you? Hi, Melissa. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. Thanks. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> No, I was gonna say it's fun that we're gonna get to talk about live wet animal markets live in real time because people need to understand that when you say live wet markets, it doesn't mean that we're going live talking about wet markets, but that these are animals that are sitting alive in cages waiting to be purchased and slaughtered on scene. And that is what the trace origins of the COVID 19 coronavirus crisis is chased back to in Wuhan, China. So really important topic and really happy to be here today. Thank you so much. So for people who are not familiar with live wet markets, can you explain what that is? Sure, of course. So, you. Uh, you know, I didn't even know what it was. A wet market, to me, when I heard of it, I had to Google it. And now it's turning into a mainstream term, but a wet market is a local street slaughterhouse. It is unregulated and they call it wet because it is wet with blood, urine, guts, feces, other bodily fluid spillovers from animals that are sitting there in these cramped cages alive and then slaughtered on scene next to other animals that are alive and dead different species in close quarters and with close human contact. So anytime there's a live wet animal market, you are in great public danger for the next contagion or virulent zoonotic disease to outbreak. Uh, the, not only was the coronavirus or is the coronavirus traced back to a live wet market in Wuhan, China, but so is SARS and so is MERS and the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, will say, and it's online, that three out of four human viral contagions are of zoonotic animal origin. Um, so while we're here in quarantine for a long time now, facing a global health and global financial crisis, and we're racing to find the next vaccine, the reality is, is we need to get to the root of the problem so this doesn't happen again. It's not just about fixing it and tapering it off and getting past the peak. It's about having proper pandemic prevention hygiene so this doesn't happen again. So you're a lifelong vegan. 
You have no idea I'm what a it vegan is. Birth. For, vegan since birth. Um, what is the difference between a slaughterhouse and a live wet market? Well, they're both slaughterhouses, but there are slaughterhouses that are regulated and slaughterhouses that are unregulated. And a wet market is an unregulated slaughterhouse that is in the streets of wherever, and nobody's going in there and inspecting it. And there's no um, protocol in place to ensure that you can be have the best public health and safety possible under the circumstances. I mean, to be honest, slaughterhouses in general are not the most sanitary places, right. but they do have regulations and USDA inspections. It doesn't stop um, animal viruses jumping to humans. I mean, we've had the, we've just last week, we had an avian flu outbreak in South Carolina. An avian flu outbreak is a bird flu. That's from a chicken farm and, they, and the exploitation of chickens for meat. And, uh, you know, the human exploitation of animals in general has led to all sorts of diseases, you know, swine flu, mad cows disease, the, the list could go on. But really what we need to talk about is what we can control right now. And mm -hmm. what we can control right now are these live wet animal markets. Those um, are unregulated and those uh, do not have proper medications or antibiotics fed to the animals, the animals are trafficked in and you have, it's not like a pig farm where it's pigs or a cow farm where it's cattle or a chicken farm where it's chicken or turkeys. A live wet animal market is you don't know what's there. It could be wildlife that's trafficked in, it could be farmed animals, it could be companion pets, cats and dogs. And what Americans don't know is that we have tens of thousands of these on our own soil in the United States from coast to coast, just like the one in Wuhan, China. And we don't even know that. People are surprised. And when I, I spoke about this last week on CBS News, even the reporter was like, well, what do you mean they're in New York? I'm like, yes, there are about 80 to 90 of these in New York. Right. And they go, oh, you mean Chinatown, New York? I'm like, no, this is not a Chinatown issue. This is not a China issue. This is an issue that is going on from coast to coast and in, in the middle, Illinois and Texas as well. And we're not putting a stop to it. But yet at the same time, we have bipartisan politics. You have Lindsey Graham and Cory Burker on both sides of the aisle uniting on the cause saying and urging the World Health Organization to, to implement a global ban immediately because of the, the financial crisis, the health crisis, the economy crisis globally that we're going through. But yet we have tens of thousands of them going on in our own soil. So I don't know how we can effectively urge a World Health Organization to implement a ban when we are just as guilty as China on this topic. Let me just ask you a question. So are the same animals that are being slaughtered in China the same here? Many of like, them are, yes. Maybe. We don't know. That's what that's the problem with the wet market. You do mm. not know what's there. So here yeah. in the United States, we're we're skinning dogs and cats. Could be. It's not regulated. You don't know what's there. But that's a distraction from the reality of it doesn't really matter what the species is that's being slaughtered. Right. What matters is, is that an animal is being slaughtered and there are bodily fluids and guts and feces and urine and pus and 
and body parts and eyeballs and toenails and everything being slaughtered on scene next to another animal that's right next to it that's either alive or dead and then that animal gets slaughtered on scene and then there's going to be cross-contamination there's going to be spillover this is not a safe place for workers or for the general public to just walk the streets and walk by i mean that's the thing a, a, a regulated slaughterhouse is behind closed doors they don't even mm -hmm. have glass walls. So mm -hmm. as horrific as those are, you don't really know what's going on there. A wet market is a live local slaughterhouse in the streets. Anyone can walk up to it. The mess is not contained, especially in New York. The mess is not contained. In New York, the Senate in 2016 uh, discussed in a Senate bill the wet markets in New York and said how many of the businesses have had to close down and the residents have had to move because of how unsanitary it was and how bad the smell was. Wow. And in New York, it's a problem. You, it's a highly densely populated city. The sewage system is shared, the parks are right next door, the school grounds are right next door. And these wet markets are going on in New York in close proximity to parks, to schools, to housing, and are polluting your sewage system. So this is a serious problem. This is a public health crisis. And yes, I'm an animal lover and a vegan, but that's not the point. The point is, is this is a public health crisis. And now it is proven that as we are here harming animals, we are in turn harming ourselves and destroying human lives. So by killing these animals in these wet markets, the way we are doing it, we are destroying and it's turning into human catastrophe. Let's talk about uh, Tyson. They recently came out and said that the food chain is broken. How can you explain that? Okay, so, all right. So it goes back to, uh, first we talked about the wet markets and now we're gonna talk about regulated slaughterhouses. Okay. Um, where Tyson and JBS and Cargill and Smithfield uh, are all experiencing and have experienced over the last few weeks, which has made world news. Um, the reality is that these are the largest hotbeds and breakouts for the coronavirus in the United States. Their workers are dying, they are testing positive in the thousands, and the meat packing plants is what they call them, or the meat processing plants, which mm -hmm. is another code like wet markets for slaughterhouse, same thing, um, we're having to shut down. Uh, in I think close to 20 states. Mm -hmm. So of course the meat industry is losing billions of dollars and shutting down their slaughterhouses. And then that creates a panic in people's supply and demand of meat. Right. And then panic creates scarcity. And scarcity means everybody runs to the grocery store and buys up all the meat because they think they're going to run out like toilet paper. And the reality is, no, the food supply chain is not broken mm -hmm. or wasn't breaking, like Tyson said. But yes, you know, there's go there was a meat shortage. The supply of the meat chain was breaking financially. It was breaking financially. But if you want to talk about whether or not the food chain was actually broken, you need to consider the fact that possibly it was broken before all of this because we have a food shortage and world hunger. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the statistics of how much grain we feed animals to produce one pound of beef, it's 3,600 
pounds of grain. Mm -hmm. Animals consume so much more food than humans, and they don't produce that amount of food and meat. So if we stopped killing all the animals for meat, we would actually end world hunger. So Tyson's cry for help that the food supply chain is breaking or broken mm -hmm. is not true. The food supply chain is already broken. The meat supply chain was breaking, but animals do not need to be food. So the food supply chain is not broken. It's a, it comes down to dollars and cents, right? Uh, Tyson, JBS, they're multi-billion dollar industries. Cargill, Smithfield, all these slaughterhouses that are closing down and now forced to reopen. Um, it, it comes down to they have the largest lobbyists there and that when they're financially hurting, uh, government's gonna react and that's what happened. Yeah, that's all I know is to eat meat. Like, you know, I'm not a vegan and you're so kind when we go out to eat and, uh, you know, you said you, you'll never pick up the bill. <laughs> you'll never pick up the bill if I eat some fish and, and some meat. But, um, but you're very gracious, you know, to sit down with me. And uh, if we can just go on to another topic, thank you so much for that information because we desperately needed it. And it's ongoing because you have a show, of, what is it, once a week that you talk to um, other professionals who are vegans and you guys discuss all of this once a week. So it's an ongoing topic that you're yeah. constantly. Mm. The, the vegan, yeah. So we, we launched a show, it's called laws that matter and mm -hmm. it's about veganism and the law and it's on Jane Unchained news network. And that is uh, every Wednesday live at noon Eastern standard time. And 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And that show, this last week, we discussed breaking news, like what we're talking about right now, the wet markets, the yeah. Tyson's um, cry that the food supply chain is broken. We've talked, we talked about uh, Trump's executive order to force the workers back to work. And what does that mean? It means that they can't uh, file a wrongful death suit or an injury lawsuit successfully because now the meat industry and the slaughterhouses are deemed to be critical infrastructure and essential. So, mm -hmm. They're forced to go to work or they can't collect unemployment. And if they die on the job or get sick on the job, they have no legal recourse. It's kind of indentured servitude, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. And as a lawyer, I don't even know how to get around this executive order. I, I don't think a lawsuit can. I think you need to have a new elected official in who's going to reverse it and change it. Because um, one of the workers at the plants, what they said I thought was really powerful. They said, I don't feel essential and I don't feel critical. I feel sacrificed. Right. And I think that that is true. They, their lives are on the line because someone else wants to have a chicken for dinner. Correct. Because, I mean, in actuality, and you and I saw the game plan. Game changers. The game changer. And uh, you, you don't really need to have meat in order to survive. You know, meat, right. meat is not essential. There are millions right. of Americans and millions of people around the world that are thriving and living amazing lives without touching animal protein. And um, I've never touched it. And I was a professional ballet dancer. And I, you know, went to top law school, you know, passed the bar in three different jurisdictions. Meat is not necessary or essential. It is part of our culture. Mm. And... Definitely not essential, though. Can you tell us what your daily uh, diet is, please, as soon as you wake up? Uh, when I wake up, I go for the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I go for. Um, 
I think that's pretty normal. You know, everyone thinks being vegan is a sacrifice, but the truth is, is whatever you're craving that's meat, they have a substitute with that taste, that texture, and it's not going to have the cholesterol. It's not going to cause heart disease. It's not going to cause diabetes, and it's not going to cause cancer the way the meat is that you're used to having. Mm -hmm. um, meat is a classified uh, one carcinogen. It's on the list by the World Health Organization right up there with asbestos and tobacco. But yet, wow. there's no government warnings on meat. Um, we're in the dark ages with this topic. We yeah. really are. I mean, if you want to get into the topic for the animals, that's one thing. But if you want to talk about it, about how it's human, a human health crisis, America needs to wake up. The world needs to wake up because, yes, it's all, it is about the animals to a lot of people. But animal exploitation leads to human catastrophe. Correct. And that's what we really need to understand. Killing them is killing us and it's killing our planet. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I noticed when I have meat lately and I actually have been having it too much than I should. And, um, I feel disgusting the next day. I feel like my paws is sweaty. I feel like it wants to come out of my body. And, um, and, and you're so knowledgeable when it comes to all this. So, you know, you kind of want to convert me. And I really don't, I would like to have, like, I, I wrote a list. I gave you a list of all the, like, there's vegans, there's lacto um, avo vegans, there's, how do you say, prescatarian, where you're just a fish eater. Prescatarian. Yeah, I saw your list. Um, uh, yeah, so there's vegetarians and there's vegans and then there's ovalacto. I don't even know because to me it's like, okay, you're either vegan or you're not. But a pescatarian, right. I know, is someone that will eat fish, but they won't eat chicken and meat. Um, a vegan is someone that's not going to eat any animal products or byproducts. A vegetarian is someone that won't eat the flesh of an animal, but will eat the dairy uh, or the eggs. Interesting. Uh, so, and then the flexitarian is, I think, the more common, popular word right now, and that's the people that are transitioning. Uh, so, we just certified vegan. My my company is Veg International. It's a vegan mm -hmm. certification firm, and it's managed by my law firm. And we have a global trademark vegan symbol. And we just certified vegan um, JBS, which is the world's largest meat producer. There, they came out with a plant based meat protein yeah. and the line is called plantera and the product is called ozo and it's being sold in stores across the nation as of this month and even they by the way they're using pea protein um to make their product will admit that this is better for the planet it's zero cholesterol it's dairy free it's soy free and it's, it's where the world is going. I mean, if JBS, the world's largest meat producer, is buying into the plant-based sector and going all in at the exact same time that five of their workers were announced dead last week due to an outbreak in one of their, one of their plants. It's ironic that a slaughterhouse is called a plant. Uh, you know, <laughs> the, the wordsmithing is crazy what goes on. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so... That's insane. What was the question? I kind of forgot the question, but <laughs> I like hearing you talk when you talk about this. You're very passionate. Let's get into, um, we have 15 minutes. So I want to talk about, uh, you being a ballerina, you talking, you taking care of your ballet teacher. When did you become, mm -hmm. when did you start dancing? 
I was pretty much born into it. My mom was a ballet teacher. She danced mm. professionally and she did Broadway. So I was born into veganism and I was born into the world of ballet. I danced my entire life. I love it. And um, you take care of Jane, your ballet teacher. How long have you been um, taking care of her for? So it's, it's Joan Miller. Joan, I'm sorry. Mm. It's okay. She ran the Palm Beach Ballet Center for 57 years. Mm -hmm. um, she was one of my first ballet teachers and ballet mentors. And I danced with her from when I was about maybe six or seven years old. My mom mm -hmm. was my first ballet teacher. Um, but I danced with her, danced through college, and got into the top ballet companies, moved on with my life. And about a decade later, I had heard that the Palm Beach Ballet Center had closed its doors and mm -hmm. that Miss Joan who was this woman of power in a time when women didn't have jobs and women weren't in power. You know, she was a woman in power more than a half century ago. Right. And I heard that the Palm Beach Valley Center had closed its doors, that her home was being foreclosed upon, and that um, she was in a nursing home with uh, Alzheimer's. So I went to visit her in the nursing home and she was in a ward room with five roommates right. in a one-star facility and no advocate. She had never been married. She had never had kids of her own. And uh, pretty much when she wasn't teaching ballet and running a school anymore and producing the best dancers in the world, she didn't, like, people didn't see her purpose anymore. So mm -hmm. I was working at a top law firm at the time, making six figures. And when I saw her there, I basically, my heart broke. I couldn't deal with it. And I quit my six-figure law job took over power of attorney and moved her into my house and then started my own law firm. Mm -hmm. That was about eight years ago. Wow. So for the last eight years, I have been taking care of her and she's still with me. It has been a long road. Um, eight years ago, I would say she was beginning stages of Alzheimer's mm -hmm. and now she's end stage. So I've literally, without reading a manual, without reading a book, without preparing for this in any way, shape, or form, um, have gone through this disease every step of the way with her. And you know what? I don't even think there is a manual. And I think if I read a manual, it would have freaked me out and I wouldn't have done all that I've done because it's a lot to deal with. Taking What's, care of someone who's falling apart. Um, yeah, I, I know that very well. Um, what is the most challenging for you to take care of Miss Joan? You know, I think it's just, we've been lucky throughout the years of, you know, I'm a lawyer, so I'm a really good advocate. You know, I fought really hard to get her all the services in the house through Medicaid that, that she should be entitled to and is entitled to. But I think the hardest part is just emotionally to watch her decline and to see her not, she's not the same person anymore. She's not who she was. She's not this woman in power that had everything under control. She can't go to the bathroom by herself. She can't feed herself. She can't. I mean, there's just no dignity in the disease. So I would say the hardest part is, is witnessing that. For them, it's a blessing in disguise because they don't realize if she was aware and conscious of what was going on with her, she probably would be suicidal. Right. But because she's not really in the present moment. Well, she's very much in the present moment, actually. She's totally unaware of the future and in the past. She's not um, ridden with anxiety and depression over her current state. Instead, she's um, just living in the moment. Do you get upset when she can't remember who you are? 
say that again, Melissa. Do, do you get upset when uh, she can't remember who you are? When who you are? Oh yeah. Mm. Right. She right. She doesn't remember my name anymore. Mm. It's kind of sad. Yeah. She. I think she, when she looks at me, she recognizes me, but I don't know. Yeah. She, there's not an emptiness, but there's no words spoken, and she doesn't know my name. Is she? I think she looks at me like I'm familiar. Right. Is she affectionate to you? She doesn't really move much anymore. You mm. know, it's, it used to be different. It's, it used to be, I mean, like eight years ago, you know, when she was living with me, she wasn't in a hospital bed. Mm-hmm. Now I actually just bought them an apartment next door to me because my space is small. So she's with caregivers right next door but it's a hospital bed and it's a lift chair and it's walkers and wheelchairs. And it's just different. You know, it's not the same anymore. What would be your advice to someone taking care of someone with Alzheimer's? I, you need to, I spent a lot of time arguing with her, trying to knock sense into her about what reality is when she was losing her mind. And it's better to just redirect them and to let them, whoop, I just lost my, <laughs> to let them live in their own reality. I mm-hmm. mean, so let them, let them live in their reality and exist in their reality and st- don't try to convince them that their reality is wrong because then you're just going to infuriate them and make them angry or you're going to make them feel stupid and you don't want to do either one of those things. So you're best just letting them Letting them think they're going to see their grandmother in an hour or letting them think they were just at the mall with their mom. It's a happier place anyway with them. But I spent a lot of time in the beginning thinking that I could fix the disease or fix the, um, the progression of it, that I could, you know, because she was so smart. She's a, she was a smart woman. So yeah. it's hard to watch someone so smart and so bright and so on their A game lose their mind. I mean, she was that teacher that, God help you if you forgot the combination across the floor. Like, wow. you were going to get thrown out. Of, uh, you know, if you forgot your choreography or anything, you were kicked out of her school. I mean, you had to be, you, you could not be anything less than perfect in her presence. So it's hard to see someone who had it so together fall apart. And I think it's hard to witness that. And there's a point where if you're dealing with that, you need to surrender to reality and to surrender to the circumstances that's in front of you and accept that this is a disease and mm. that this is a disease that attacks the mind and the brain. And, you know, who knows whose reality is right anyway? I mean, we live in a very linear world. Who knows where they're living? I don't know. I don't know where her mind's at. All I know is yeah. it's, not the, the, it's not the plane that you and I are talking on. Right. But who knows? I don't know. Yeah. I'm sorry to go off topic. I just wanted to do a nice interview with you because you deserve it. And um, what, what's your next step right now? What's going on? You just you just keep talking about this wet market until. Well, so at, right. So at, at BeVeg, we certify vegan. And like I said, we just certified vegan Plantera Ozo, which is the JBS uh, plant-based vegan meat line. And we're just trying really hard here to raise the standard of consumer transparency and labeling laws. We're trying to define a vegan standard. We're trying to define what vegan is. 
Yeah. Vegan is not at all defined by current laws. The word is not even recognized by the law. So at BVEG, what we're doing is we're certifying products vegan according to a standard that is set out by lawyers. We review the paperwork, we review the documents, we do audits and inspections as necessary. And we are trying to make plant-based vegan lifestyle a popular endeavor to reduce the demand for me. And we're also trying to lend all consumers honest information because whether you're vegan or not, you are entitled to the ingredients and information on yeah. whatever you're consuming, whether it's food or makeup or textiles to be accurate and honest information. And I do believe that whether you're vegan or not, if you have the choice of all things being equal, one product over the next and one's labeled and certified vegan and the other one is not, most likely, I think the statistic is 80% of the consumer will choose the vegan ethically labeled product over the over the one that's missing the label because it makes them feel better there is of course. a thing of conscious consumerism of course so we're trying really hard to expand our certifications to um help companies become more ethical and conscious we help them swap out ingredients we counsel them we certify them vegan and you know, yes, so long as these live wet markets are happening and other things are happening around the world, as an advocate and as a lawyer, these are causes that I care about that I'm going to stay involved in. And then I have the, the weekly show, The Laws That Matter, that is, is weekly. And while last week we dealt with breaking news of the executive order from Trump forcing the workers at the meat uh, packing plants and slaughterhouses to go back to work, that's yeah. not necessarily going to be the topic every week. You know, other weeks it might be that there is no breaking news and it, we could talk about other things like um, whether or not vegans should be a constitutional class. Uh, you know, a lot of vegans practice veganism as a lifestyle religiously more than they practice their own religion, but there's zero constitutional protection. So if you go to a Burger King and you order the Impossible Burger, and the reality is, if you're Hindu and it's against your religion and they gave you beef when cows are supposed to be holy in India, then you have legally defined damages. But if you go to a Burger King and they give you an impossible burger and you're, or you order an impossible burger and you're vegan, but they give you a hamburger, you yeah. have no legal damages or recognized damages wow. under the law because unless you die from it or get deathly ill, there's no, there's no recourse unless a law gets made. So the show will talk about all sorts of different issues. You know, if, uh, par if, you, if parents get divorced and one's vegan and what's, one's not, who determines the nutrition of the child? Wow. Vegan patient rights, um, the right to vegan food at places of public accommodation. Um, you know, even pandemics should be, are gonna be discussed. And it, yeah. this is, you know, we have, it's not just COVID, SARS and MERS, it's, you know, salmonella and Ebola, and that's from the feces that are, ends up in our food supply system. Well, 100% of beef tested has feces on it. That's and that's in every slaughterhouse. Right. So it, it is, we're in a public health crisis because of the way we're um, defining food. So our food supply chain is broken. It seems as if it, it is. Broken. So you have this, what, tell us what day this is, because I know I tune in. I think it's on every, uh, what, two, is it Tuesday? Wednesday. Wednesday. Every Wednesday at, yeah, at, at noon, Eastern Standard Time. On your Facebook Live page, is that correct? 
Yeah, and Jane Unchained Facebook Live, but I'll, yeah, share it to mine as well. Um, it, it's on a different, couple different platforms, YouTube and Periscope, but yes, you can see it on Facebook Live. I'll put that on my website so people can uh, learn more about this. And thank you so much. And you're also an injury lawyer. Is that correct? Yes. So I do uh, personal injury. That's I got my start in that area of law when I took in my ballet teacher, Miss Joan, out of the nursing home. She's my first injured client. She was a client of nursing home neglect, medical malpractice, elder abuse. And while I was taking care of her in the house and I had to make sure that all her needs were met. I was not in a position to go drive to an office or return to a big law firm. And I just believed in karma and that it would work out. And it has worked out. I built a law firm. And now I do a lot of personal injury cases. I'm licensed in Florida, New York, and DC. We have offices in Florida, New York, and DC. And we're just opening an office in California and bringing um, in another lawyer who's a vegan and injury lawyer who lives in the Bay Area up there. I know her from working in the big law firm days about a decade ago. She's brilliant. So I'm excited to bring her on. And um, we deal with um, compassion and justice for all beings that are injured. So it's not the typical personal injury firm where it's just the car accident and slip and fall, though we do plenty of those. Um, I think it's rare to find lawyers with hearts, but we are lawyers with a heart. <laughs> Well, you're definitely a person with a heart. So thank you so much for all that you're doing, all the information that you're giving to the world. Thank you very much. Will you stay around? I have I have a couple of people coming yes. on. Would you stay with us? Okay, cool. All right. Thank you so much, Don. Um, I am all set for um, Anthony. Anne? Yeah, how are you doing? Hey, how are you? Oh, there good. you are. Hey, how are you doing? Yeah, doing? Good, nice, to, you. nice to see you. Um, and you, we can actually put Donna on as well. Yeah. We can meet Donna. I've been talking to her. Donna. Hi, how are you? Hey, how are you? There you are. Yeah, You're hey, gorgeous. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. So, okay, guys, this yes. is where I love this show. So my friend Peter, he is a resident in Merrick. <laughs> and he sent me this long, beautiful um, email uh, that this woman, Donna, had written about her son. And just, just, it's just beautiful. I'm going to stop. I'm going to have, I'm going to ask uh, Donna to kindly read it for us. And then we'll go on from there, please. Sure. Thank you, Donna. Okay. What face-to-face -face means today? I have gone into ANS in Merrick. Over, for over two years now, about every other week, to pick up some prepared meals. I have rarely spoken to anyone behind the counter except to place my order. At times, I have seen the owner, always friendly, always accommodating, but we do not know names, just faces. One of my sons, like so many, has COVID-19. He's alone in his apartment in Manhattan. I speak to him often each day. His chest still hurts when he takes deep breaths amid his congestion. Some friends and family have texted, emailed, and called me, providing some great techniques for him to utilize, as well as Chris Cuomo's video on how to fight this deadly virus. I sometimes pace the floor as we speak and find myself asking him thousands of questions. Are you doing your breathing exercises? Are you walking around the apartment and breathing a lot? Have you been sitting in the bathroom with the shower on, inhaling the steam? It becomes Groundhog Day for both of us but he is alone and I am not able to be there with him. As I am 62 years old, I have not been going out 
for the past weeks. It has been increasingly difficult um, to order food online. So I called ANS Fine Foods in Merrick and they were delivering the same day to my surprise. So for the past weeks, um, we've gotten our meals in Merrick from ANS. But my son has had problems in the city in Manhattan as we work together online to get him what he needs. Just when we're about to check out virtually, we find out that half of the items are not available. So the other day I called the owner of ANS Fine Foods in Merrick, Anthony Giordano, to let him know that the order I received um, to my home in the prior day did not include a few items. So it was hard to reach him, as you could imagine. The line was busy for most of the morning. Finally, someone answered and I asked to speak to Anthony. As Anthony got on the phone, I said, Anthony, my name is Donna and I live at this address in Merrick. As I told him about the American cheese and breaded chicken cutlets that were not in my order when delivered to my doorstep the previous day, he replied, I'm so sorry, things have been a bit crazy here as we're not only delivering for the neighborhood, but also to two hospitals. My reply, hospitals, that's so amazing that you're doing that. And he said, yes, Columbia Presbyterian, and, and then I stopped him. You're going all the way into the city? He said, yes. And then as only a mother would understand, the next sentence that spewed out of my mouth was, Anthony, is there any way you can go and get food to my son in Manhattan? He has the virus and has been unable to get certain things. I will pay you. No, not a problem at all, Anthony said. No worries. I'll get it to him. No extra charge. Oh, my God. Thank you so much, I said. He's also running out of expectorant and his thermometer doesn't work. When you deliver the missing food items to me today, can you take the bag I leave outside my door with these items for him? and include them with the food de delivery? Of course, and is there anything else he needs, Anthony asked. I said, well, he has no paper towels, but no, okay, no problem. How many does he need? I said three, that would be amazing. Later that day, a friend had told me that putting peppermint in, in a humidifier, which is backlogged and would be arriving soon for Jeremy is helpful as well. I immediately texted Anthony, who had also so graciously given me his cell number. I have some peppermint oil for, for a humidifier at my house. Can I? He texted back, no worries. I will send someone over to pick it up. Later that night, after he closed down his store, Anthony made his hospital delivery to the New York hospital and then went to my son's apartment and delivered the food. They spoke through the door, as so many of us now have become auditory in our connections. Anthony Giordano, owner of ANS in Merrick, does not know who I am. My name and address mean nothing to him. I am a customer that he only knew face to face when I went into a store in the world that we previously knew. He didn't know my name nor my address. When he offered to help my son, Anthony only knew my first name and address. The word hero means a person who is nobility of character. What I have learned about this owner, this hero, is that face to face means nothing when we are, are most vulnerable, the most in need. Our heroes, through this pandemic and other crises to follow are those who connect through empathy and compassion. Those who see the face of humanity and embrace it. Face to face has taken on a new meaning in this new world we live in. Even though I myself am an educator, I have learned that the most valuable lesson, this most valuable lesson from the owner of ANS Fine Foods. Thank you, Anthony Giordano. That's so beautiful. Now, <laughs> 
I wanted to have Anthony on because I met him once, okay? And just meeting him in his eyes, you can see that how kind he is. And he does things from his heart. So I went to A&S with my, my partner there, Paul Prince, right, Ant? And yeah, we yeah, yeah. did, yeah, we did the, um, the uh, uh, Vinnie Pastore sauces. And uh, Anthony, hello. Good Saturday. Yeah. How do you feel hearing uh, that? I mean, honestly, um, that it's it's beautiful. You know, I, everything she said, uh, it's, it, it's very. It's I'm really humbled to hear that. Mm. Uh, and I mean, to me, I just again, I just try to do the best job with you know whatever we do, whatever I'm involved in. And uh, you know, anyone or anything or whatever people need, I you know, I try to go out. Of, you know, not even go out of my way. It's just what you know we're entailed in. You know? But it's it's beautiful to hear that. You know. You're, you're doing it from your heart. So it, this is, you know, you don't want to make a big deal out of it. I get it. Yeah, um, yeah, no. But I do, I do have Jeremy on the phone here. Uh, Jeremy, hi, how are you? Uh, pretty good. Yourself? Uh, very well. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you feeling? A uh, little bit better than I have been. It's been a long haul. I first want to thank Anthony so much for some getting to see you. Yeah. Um, thank you for everything. You're an angel. Um, how does it feel? How does it feel to have somebody help you out? You're there by yourself. Your mama can't come. She, I spoke to her the other day, and she's like, "I just want to be with my son." Did and uh, what was that? Did she start crying? No, she didn't start crying. <laughs> <laughs> she's a she's a tough Long Island woman. Um, but uh, how how do you feel when somebody comes and he's doing this from his heart? It's just um, I I love when people do stuff like this. So I make a huge deal out of it because you know as humbled as Anthony is, uh, I just I think it's amazing because he nobody has to do this. You know what I mean? It's it's not a have to basis. It's touching. And like my mom said in her post, uh, he doesn't know her from a hole in the wall, didn't know her name. He's just doing it, like you said, from the kindness of his heart, um, just because he's a good person. So it's really, it's touching, it's motivational. And uh, again, thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Anthony, you've been working with the hospitals. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah, I do uh, New Presbyterian in uh, Manhattan. Um, we do uh, Northrop and uh, Mineola and uh, you know again just running around constantly I'm in Queens Manhattan the Hamptons Brooklyn uh, just all over you know where you know I feel like I'm feeding Long Island in uh, New York at this point yeah and uh, you're actually opening up a fish store is that right right next to yeah. A&S correct yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, A&S is a wonderful uh, gourmet store. Um, we used to have ragtime here uh, in Cross Bay. Yeah. yeah, so it's kind of like that uh, feel. The food is so fresh and delicious. Um, mm. So, you know, I just want to thank you so much for everything that you're doing. And congratulations on your engagement. I know. Thanks Can I so say much. that? Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> how are you guys holding up with this? with this uh with the corona and, and you know you're just working very hard is that correct yeah i mean uh again we're doing about like you know almost 12 to 16 hour days depending on what's going on between the catering and just getting food prepared correctly following um you know like regular procedures of just maintaining um you know just uh, the store clean and uh, maintenance on that you know i have every four or five days i have uh, people come in to like you know literally clean the entire store so we're sanitized you know sanitized Mm. And uh, it's just nonstop. We are nonstop. It's like uh, I've never seen anything like this in my life. It's it's insane. 
but you know. We're, yeah, we're happy to have you, um, you know, to, to be there for, for your residents there in America and in New York and Queens and yeah. everywhere. Um, I'd, I'd, yeah. <laughs> um, Jeremy, uh, thank God you're, you're okay. I mean, you're, you're just hanging in there. How long has it been? Mom said that it was 21 days. Donna, did you say 21 days he's been sick? Yeah, about 26, 27 days now. Oh. It just won't go away. I did want to mention that because of what Anthony did for me, my company, we're actually, we're on the front line and we're, we're um, ServPro of the Lower East Side in Long Island City. And we're one of those companies that, that Anthony is, we're not our company, but we are disinfecting, you know, businesses and restaurants and we're on the front line. So um, literally after like the second week of Anthony delivering, not knowing who the heck I was, I said, you know, how can we give back a little bit to the community? So I spoke to, um, our boss who, my boss who owns five or six franchises all up the Northeast and said, you know, what do you think about doing some free cleaning and disinfecting for the nursing homes? And he said it was a great idea, uh, put together a list and we're going to be doing that. And I just, it's because of what Anthony has done and his kindness. So that is so nice. That's awesome. It's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Anthony, Donna? you're like, you're like, um, I was listening to, you know, I, at 1130, 1145 every day. I listened to um, the governor's uh, address to New York city. And he always uses the analogy of the gears that the, you know, there's one gear drives the other gear, which drives the other gear, uh, and it's a system. Um, and I think you're that driving gear. I mean, for, for us, um, mm. and you know, you've put so many things in motion, mm. and um, you know, again, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's unforgettable. It's, it is unforgettable what you've done. I mean, your food is amazing, um, mm. but it's the, it's the person who has built that place who is, is, is more amazing than, than I could have possibly ever imagined that I've walked into that store all, I feel guilty that I've walked into that store every, you know, two weeks after work for all these years and have, have not known who you are. Um, so, you know, yeah, I, I appreciate hearing that. That's awesome. That just made my like whole year during that. You know, <laughs> just, uh, yeah, I just tried to write, you know what I mean? That, that, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, re I really, really appreciate that. That's awesome. Yeah. God bless you, Anthony. Yeah. You're doing a great job. You're, you're, you're affecting lives. I mean, I know that you're very humble right now, but you're affecting lives. And it's very important right now that we have people who help one another. So um, I'm so glad to have you on. And uh, yeah. please, guys, head over to ANS. Uh, Anthony, just give us the address, please. Yeah, it's uh, 2162 Merrick Road in uh, Merrick, Long Island. And you're opening up actually a fish store right next to it. Uh, yeah, when is I, that opening? Yeah, hopefully, you know, everything going on, you know, you know, it's hard getting inspections, but I have mm -hmm. scheduled for this Tuesday. So hopefully within the next two to three weeks, depending on what's going on. But uh, again, it's two doors down. It's 2168 Merrick Road in, uh, in Merrick, Long Island. So hopefully within, again, within the next two, three weeks, we should be open. Thank you, Anthony. And Jeremy, what do you have to tell people who have the coronavirus right now that right. are in your, your shoes? Just stick in there. Uh, as annoying as my mom has been with all the exercises and the steam and this and that, uh, do it. You know, exercise, you know, use your body to beat the virus. Uh, stay up, walk around. Uh, steam multiple times a day. Take the vitamins. Um, you can do it. You can beat it. Um, just be strong. 
And your lungs, are they, how are they feeling? Do you have a hard time breathing sometimes? Sometimes it's been, it's gotten better um, over the past week. For the first three weeks, uh, three, three and a half weeks, it just was no better, no worse. Um, and it's finally starting to give up a little bit, though it's still clearly there. But getting mm. better day by day. Thank God. And Donna, how, what about being a parent? What, what do you have to say to people to help them? going through this difficult time that you can't um, do with your son? I think uh, don't stay paralyzed um, in fear or anxiety. Move forward. Um, do something. Um, seek out advice. Find out, you know, what, what the latest things are. I found, I found uh, fr connect to your friends. Um, connect to your doctors on online. Find out what it is that you can do. And just, again, don't stay paralyzed in the fear and the anxiety. You have to move through it and, and stay connected to people and gather that information that is so needed. Yeah. Well, and I wanna... obviously find angels in your life like Anthony. That's right. <laughs> Anthony, thank you again uh, for, for helping Donna and her family and everybody else out there, too. Um, Carissa, thank you so much for being with us today. Jeremy, please be well. And uh, you're in my prayers and um, I, I wish you a speedy recovery and that this just goes away. Now, can I just ask you, did the doctor, like, are you going to go get tested? Did you get tested yet? I got tested on Thursday of this week, finally, since I am considered an essential worker. I think Cuomo said on Wednesday that all essential workers can get tested. Um, so I got tested on Thursday and we're waiting for the results. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'd like to know about that, Donna, if you can keep in touch and then I'll sure. give an update on, on, on Jeremy. All right. Thank you guys so much for your time and spending this hour with us, Carissa and Anthony. Uh, guys, head over to A&S in Merrick. Uh, the food is to die for. And they have Vinny. I'll give my friend Vinny Pistori mm -hmm. a little plug. <laughs> Go and get his sauces there. And I think he has sauces everywhere. It's delicious, that sauce. I love it. So thank you very much. And Jeremy, be well. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Melissa. Thank Bye. you. Thank you, Melissa. <laughs> Thank you, Donna. Bye, Anthony. Bye. Thank you. I'll talk to you.